Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12. I don't know about y'all, but I enjoyed last week. I had a good time. And uh, I hope this works just as well. So what I said last week was that, you know, when I first started preaching and I'd hear the revival preachers and, man, they would point things out and, and it would get your mind going. And what I'm talking about is I began to see types and things. I began to see pictures and they just gave me a, it just helped me to see the Bible is alive instead of just this history textbook as it's often preached. But as I, the longer I preached, I realized, you know, you got to be careful with that because you can start saying, well, this represents this and this represents that and this represents that. And then you start to make it say something that it's really not trying to say. So I try to be real careful when I get up here and I try to let you know ahead of time that I'm going to be painting a picture. I did it last week and, and I want to do it again because this sermon, this was... This passage, this was a standby sermon for me. This was the sermon I kept in my back pocket in case I went to a church. And it's not this sermon specifically because I worked on it, but this passage, when I went to a church and visited, and I remember one time uh, the fellow I worked with uh, at the glass plant, you know, he invited me to his church. He was a fellow preacher. We'd actually gone out to a, another church to preach with him. But he invited me to his church, and I showed up there, and it was a lot different than what I'm used to culturally. But I sat out there. I was going to sit by myself, and it didn't take him long to spot me. And one of the deacons came up and said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And it's like, what gave it away? You know, my friend did. But they invited me up. I sat on the platform up there, you know, and they said, we're going to want you to say a few words. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I came here just to sit in the back, you know. But okay, well, let's pull out Acts chapter number 12. And I preached out of this. I just tell you that to say, I'm just setting you guys up so that you know this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at this passage, but we're not going to so much look at this passage. We're going to take some points to look at some things in God's word. Because I get really interested when I start to see these patterns in God's word. We looked at some last week, and this week we're going to look at some more. Well, let's just take a look at this, and we'll talk about it a minute. But uh, verse number one, we're going to be reading. Uh, we're going to be reading one to nine here. It says now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, now pay attention, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, that's an important part. It's, I mean, it's, it's important, the prayer. When I looked at this a long time ago, when I read this and my mind just saw the picture. I see Peter sitting in prison. I say, you know what? I see a lost person. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning how I see a lost person, but I saw a lost person sitting in this prison. 
And I'm going to explain this to you this morning. I warn you so that you don't get caught too caught up worrying about, well, how many soldiers are in a Quaternion? Because that's not where we're going to go this morning. I'll go there another time. But this morning, we're going to look at a lost person sitting in prison. Or not just that, it could be, it could be a saved person caught up in their sin, that besetting sin that holds them back. But look what it says. Verse number five. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Let's pray. Amen. You see, now Peter, he's saved. Let's get that straight out the gate. Peter is saved, he's followed Jesus Christ, and he's one of God's servants. But right now, I just want to take you into that prison, and I just want to see a picture. We're painting a picture, and you see this picture where the two soldiers are sitting on either side of Peter, and they're holding the chains, and they're in the prison. It's dark, because when the angel comes in there, he shines a light down first thing. And it's dark in this prison, and he's sitting there, and he's bound up. He can't go anywhere. And it's dark in this prison, and the, light, the angel comes in, and he shines a light down on him, and he smote him on the side to get his attention. Let me tell you something. When I read that, and, and maybe it's because I got a little bit of ADD, but when I read that, and I, I thought about that prisoner, I thought about that lost person sitting in that prison. You know, they're bound up in the chains of sin. They may not even realize it, but it's sin that holds you hostage. It's sin that... that, that desires to just hold you in place. And in the darkness of that prison, it just doesn't look that bad. You know, when we lived in Thomasville, Georgia, and I'm bringing these stories up, it just comes to mind. But when we were living in Thomasville, Georgia, we were renting a little uh, single-wide trailer. And it was a nice trailer. There wasn't anything wrong with it. But when we lived there, and we're, now I'm telling you, we're not nasty people, but you're going to think so when you hear this. And in the kitchen, we notice, hey, there's a little roach here, there's a little roach there. That's nasty, right? And we're in the kitchen, and we, we see these, and it's like, well, let's get some of the combat. I've I'm, I'm been a fan ever since. We got some of the gel, and we got some of the things to lay out. Because you get in there in the morning, you, you'd, you'd see the roaches kind of scatter. You, you'd open the cabinet, and you might see one disappear, right? And it's like, well, we have a few, so let's get these combats. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> what had happened was when we put the gel up in the cabinets where we kind of saw one or two, and then we put the stuff on the floor, you know, we put the bait traps around. And the next morning when I got up and I went into the kitchen, it looked like a war took place. And it looked like the German roaches lost because there were bodies everywhere. And you talk about feeling gross and feeling nasty, and it's like, 
man, have we been doing the dishes? Have we, have we left food out? What, and, and what have we been eating on that they've already eaten off? I mean, it was nasty. But you couldn't see them in the dark. And when the light came on, they scattered. You know, there's something about the way light reveals things. Light will reveal sin. They say sunlight's the best disinfectant, right? In the house, it'll look clean till you open the windows. Then you get to say, oh, look at all the dust. Look at what's going on. And, Jesus, and, and Peter's in this prison, and, and the lost person is in this prison, and they're sitting there in the dark, and things just don't seem that bad in the dark. You go to a place that operates after hours, it just doesn't seem that dark. But you're there when the lights come on, and you just see how it's really not that fascinating. It's really not that clean. It's really pretty nasty. And, and light shows that. So let me carry on with this. Today, many people are in prisons. There are those who are in physical prisons that man constructed, right, because they've committed crimes. They've murdered somebody. They've killed somebody. But this morning, let's take a look at the spiritual prison that people are in. The lost person, the backslidden. A lot of people are in these spiritual prisons for their entire lives, and they never know the difference. And you know what's waiting at the end of them? The Bible says in here, and I told you we're jumping off of it. Y'all can get mad at me or not. But you know, Herod was ready to end Peter's life. And we see that in the passage. And you know, there's, there's, a, there's a time at the end of life. They'll sit in that prison their whole life, bound up in the chains of sin. And at the end of their life, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. That's what's waiting for them on the other end of that prison. So Acts verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 5 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Let me, know, let, me let you know something. You, you know somebody that's in that prison. You know somebody that's not saved. You know somebody that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a lot you can do for them. You can't force them. Our religion doesn't do that. We don't hold a gun to somebody and say, profess Jesus Christ or die. All we can do is point them to Jesus Christ, the one who can save. And there they are. They're helpless to do anything. They can't go and talk to Herod and make a change. They can't go and do anything about the soldiers, but they turn to God. And the fact is, it wouldn't change anything. When we're looking at a spiritual prison, we're looking at a spiritual warfare. You have to understand, a lot of people try to fight against this bondage and try to fight against the sin. They try to, are y'all following me? Stay with me now. A lot of people are trying to fight against it by straightening themselves up and cleaning themselves up and walking right. And they're just, they're fighting a spiritual warfare with physical things. And you have to understand, this is a spiritual warfare. We fall down on prayer. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But do you ever just get tired of praying for the same person? For the same hard-headed person? that You want them to get saved. You want them to know Jesus Christ. You want them to go to heaven when you die. You want to be up there with them. And you pray for them day after day after day. And you watch them just bound up in the chains of sin. And you watch them just trapped right where they are. And you just pray. And what you're praying for? Hey, Something that I noticed interesting about this is when you go to the end of the story, 
They don't even realize what's happened. They said, oh, it's Peter's ghost. When he gets out and he knocks on their door, the little maid, she's so excited to see him, she shuts the door and leaves him out in the street. He just escaped from prison, and she leaves him out in the street. And when she tries to tell everybody, they say, they've been praying for him. They were the ones that were on their knees, and they said, oh, no, it's his ghost. It can't be Peter. We've been praying for Peter to get released from prison, but it can't be Peter. Let me tell you something. If you're going to pray for something and you expect it to happen, expect it to happen. I remember uh, reading, it was one of the preachers, I think it was D.L. Moody talking to a young preacher, and he said, you know, I've been praying for people to get saved when I preach. And he said, well, have you been expecting people to to get saved? And he said, well... You know, I don't know, not really. He said, well, how do you, how you expect them to get saved? Have the faith that God's going to do it. Have the faith that God's going to save that person. So that's the prayers of the saints. <coughs> As we look at this passage, I want to I point out three things from this passage. And, and this is delivering from the prison house. This is delivering from bondage. I see some of y'all straining to keep up with me. Just follow along if you can't keep up. But three things we want to look at. Number one, we want to look at darkness to light. Going from darkness to light, okay? And number two, if you're taking notes or if you're just trying to follow along, we're going to look at going from bondage to freedom because that's what happens in this passage. And then we're going to look at going from rags to robes. Amen? And you say, how do we get there? Just stay here. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. From darkness to light, and in verse number 7 it says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell from off his hands. You know, in the Bible, there's a, I, I told you last week, there's certain passages or there's certain phrases that just catch my mind. And they just, I, I just think on them. And one of these is right here. It's over in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter number 4. And in Matthew chapter number 4, <coughs> we're going to read more, but verse number 16, that phrase is, The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Uh, let me tell you. That preacher mind just goes on that. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. And when you start to run down light, when you start to look at, look at it, there is one person that brought light into this world. Mm-hmm. One person that brought light into this world. Let's read Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. It said, and now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun Zebulun, and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. 
And it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, that phrase, that comes from Isaiah 9, 2, which says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwelled in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. There's a light that's come into this world. In uh, Luke 4, Jesus declared himself to be the fulfillment of prophecy. In Luke 4, verse uh, 16 to 21, it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up as his, as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened it, the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. The part that caught me the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. See, Jesus painted these spiritual pictures of recovering sight, of, of recovering those that are in, bring light to those that are in darkness. Over in Isaiah 42, where that comes from, <coughs> if you want to look at it or not, says, Thus saith the Lord God, He that created the heavens and stretched them out. Oh, I got a lot to say on that. If you get over into John chapter 1, where we're going to be going, and it talks about He was there in the beginning. It said, Thus saith the Lord God, He that created the heavens and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and to spirit to them that walk therein. The Lord have called thee and I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light to the Gentiles. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison. You see, when I see these pictures in the Bible, and I know this is a little different. This isn't a how-to sermon, right? But I'm just trying to show you when I see these pictures in the Bible, they come from different parts of the Bible and you just kind of put things together and you can say, well, that's not related. You're just putting, that's fine. I'm not trying to teach you doctrine here. I'm just trying to put a picture up on the wall for you. You see the prisoner in the prison house. You see him bound up in the chains of sin. It's, it's like just painting that dark picture and there's Peter in the middle just representing. And you've seen those pictures that are painted before. He said, to open, verse number seven, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Not necessarily tied together, but oh, what a picture. And my friend, when you begin to look at your lost friend, your lost family member, and you begin to understand they're sitting in darkness that they're sitting in a spiritual darkness, that this is a spiritual warfare. Why won't they do right? Why won't they do right? Why won't they come to church? Why won't they? Why won't they? It's spiritual warfare, and you need to be praying for them and understand 
where they are. Over in John chapter number one. John chapter number one. And I'm going to try to rein it in here because, man, there's a whole, there's, there, <laughs> I get excited in here. And uh, verse number four, we're going to skip right to verse number four. And I'll tell you right now, we're not going to go to verse number one. We're not going to go to Genesis chapter number one. You can do that on your own and think about that when God said, and Jesus being the word, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. It's talking about when Jesus came to this earth, he was a light to men, a spiritual light that opened up their eyes to the things that God had. I have not seen nor ear heard the things, neither hath entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Amen. So there was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's talking about John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. John came before Jesus Christ, and he he said, Behold, one cometh after me who's the latchet of whose shoe I'm not worthy to even touch. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that come into the world. That light shines down on everyone through Jesus Christ. He is our light. Let me tell you something. If you're in darkness, if you're in depression, if you're in that dark place, if if you just get down in the dumps, if you get in that spot, it's Jesus Christ that is your light. It's Jesus Christ that is your peace. Amen. Amen. And we look for it in so many other places. Amen. You try to turn to TV, you turn to whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you think will help. You turn everywhere but to the Lord in prayer. When he is the light, he is the one that will take you out of that spiritual bondage. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You don't have to go there, but over in Acts chapter number 9, there's a story of Saul who later became Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. And Saul was on the road to Damascus, and he thought he was doing God a favor. He was persecuting the Christians. And he gets on the road to Damascus. He's got letters saying he's got permission to persecute them. And he gets on that road to Damascus. And in verse number 3 of chapter number 9, it says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined a light round about, there shined round about him a light from heaven. Amen. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the praise. Saul had been persecuting Jesus Christ through his own people. And there, it was there that he saw the light. But you know, this light comes into the world. And, and, and over in John chapter number one, it says, and the darkness comprehended it not. They didn't know what to make of Jesus Christ when he was there with them. I, I, I like John. I like reading the book of John, it's one of my favorite ones because I kind of like poetry. I kind of like the words that, you know, you you weave them together. My mind just kind of follows along with John. And over in John chapter number three, we find that not everyone wants that light. 
Verse number 16, you know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel, right? God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He sent him to save us. And we use that verse and we memorize that verse in Sunday school. We know that verse by heart. And people that are lost know that verse. And football players put it on their jersey and so you know what they're talking about. But if you go a little further, verse number 17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's good news. Amen? That's good news. The word is there. Jesus is there to save you. Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. And he didn't just die for you. He didn't just die for special people. He died for the world. And that's good. But look what happens in verse number 18. In verse number 18, it says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. Do you you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? And you say, well, I don't know. I'm putting off the decision. I, I, I just don't know. I want to wait a little bit. But the Bible says in verse number 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You didn't have to do anything. You want to go to heaven? Trust Jesus Christ. You want to go to hell? Just keep doing what you're doing. It's brutal, but it's right there. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus came down to this earth to die on the cross for your sins, but you know what? He didn't die for you if you don't want it. I can hold out a gift. I can, I can offer you the keys to my car. You might not want it. But I could offer you the keys to my car and say, I'll give this to you. And I can hold it out there all day long. It's yours if you take it. If you take it. If you take it. Salvation is yours if you accept it. But it's not yours until you accept it. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19 and says, And this is the condemnation. This is the condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but look, this is the condemnation. That light, there we go again, that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Those roaches didn't light the light too much. And let me tell you, a lost person doesn't light the light too much because that's a hard thing to hear. You thought you were doing pretty good. I thought I had things sewed up. I thought I was doing all right. I thought my good would outweigh my bad. But you reach a point where The light reveals just how short you fall. And men don't like that. They love the darkness rather than the light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. (coughs) I mean, let's break that down. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you've been messing up, how bad do you want to go and see him? You remember coming home from school, wait till your father gets home? (laughs) 
You remember waiting on that? How bad did you want to come to that light? Amen. It's like, well, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm doing pretty good right now. You don't want to go to that light. And it feels like that, going to Jesus. Sometimes. Let me tell you who else doesn't want the light. Satan doesn't want you to have that light. When we're talking about Jesus Christ, when we're talking about salvation, Satan doesn't want you to have that light. Remember Peter sitting in prison? He's got those Roman guards on each side. They don't want him to get away. He had two chains and two soldiers, and I just imagine them soldiers were sitting on both sides. I don't know if they went to sleep. I don't know if the angel just kind of put them out. Whatever he did, he did it through God's power. But they were holding a chain on each side of him, keeping him bound up. And let me tell you something. Satan's just around the corner. You start to get... You want to find out that spiritual warfare, start to witness to somebody in their house. The baby will start crying. Or somebody will start talking about that. Well, what about this? What about that? And, and all these things will come up to get in the way. You start to witness to somebody, something's going to come up. So in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, it said, Paul said, but if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Y'all thought I was just making all this up. Y'all thought when I said, man, this is a picture of a prisoner, of a lost person in prison. And it's just the angel, all, all we've done so far is that angel came in and shined the light down. And there's your picture of the gospel getting to him. He says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Will you look at the light the same? It's opening the eyes. It's, it's revealing the sin. It's, it's shining into the heart. You wondered what happened when you got saved, when you accepted Christ, when you understood very clearly. The next day you might have been confused, but at that point you understood that if you didn't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you didn't place your trust in him, you would die and go to hell. And that's what the Holy Spirit was showing you. That's what he was opening up to you and revealing to you. Accept Jesus Christ. And so many people get that light and they just walk away. Satan will whisper in their ear, I think. That's just somebody trying to get another notch in their belt. That's just somebody. Don't, don't listen to what they're saying. That's crazy stuff. He's up there talking about all this. That's not even what's in the text. Okay. It's not. But I'm showing you where it's in the Bible. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Back in Acts chapter 12, verse number 7, it says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and shined a light in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. 
and his chains fell off from his hands. You know, over in Isaiah 60, verse 1, it's not related, but it says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Ain't that something? So when the light shines down, there's some other things that happen here. And they just kind of happen in this order. It says the light shined in a prison, in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side. When the gospel hits people, there's a conviction that takes place. It's like being struck. I'm just painting the picture here. And raised him up, saying, arise up quickly. And, you know, it was after he listened to the angel. It was after he listened to what was spoken. When he woke up, those chains fell off. Let me tell you, the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, those chains of sin are falling off you. He's giving you victory over that sin. Now, there's a whole other story there's a, about your walk. You can fall back in. But it's through 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that moment of salvation, you have victory over sin. A lot of people just don't take it. So we go from bondage to freedom. It says, and those chains fell from off of him. Over in verse number 10, it says, When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And I'm telling you, I, I'm just trying to take you into my wild, crazy mind and look back to when I saw this and I saw Peter walking out and I saw that sinner for the first time walking free through that iron gate. Now, what are we freed from? Because it's not physical chains. It's a spiritual warfare, right? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual warfare. But the Bible talks about some things that we're freed from. And you'll be grateful, most of us, in one chapter. Look over in Romans chapter number 6. And when you look in Romans chapter number 6, you're going to see that we're freed from the bondage of a few things. First of them is the law, the commandments, the law, the bondage of the law. The next is sin, and the other is death. Look over in Romans chapter number 6. In Romans chapter number 6, starting in verse number 11, Paul talks about, he says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're falling into sin, it's because you don't realize you have the victory. You have to reckon, you have to understand that God gives you the victory over sin. You fall back, you fall back. Are you turning to Jesus Christ? Are you spending time in the word? You know, it's the two dogs fighting scenario. Which one's going to win, the good dog or the bad dog? It's the one you feed the most. But Paul says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. And he's talking to save people. He says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You want to understand this passage? 
Think about the old flesh. When you get saved and you're dead to sin, but a lot of people dig up the grave and walk around with him. Paul says, reckon yourselves to be dead. Just put him in the ground and leave him there. Get rid of him. You say, oh, well, that's too easy to say. Well, it is. I know. There's a lot of things that take place. But it's understand and reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto Christ. He says, uh, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. And there's the freedom from the law. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Does that mean we can just do whatever we want? Man, I don't have to follow the law. It's Old Testament, right? No. Paul says, God forbid. Don't do that. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. Remember we were talking about freedom from bondage. To whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered from you, or delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And then he talks about that sin. Verse number number 19, he says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. The reason I'm struggling, and I'm not struggling back, but what I'm trying to do is hold myself back because there's a whole other sermon in this. But it's, it's understanding that you're free, that you've been set free, that the, the bondage has been broken, and you're walking out on the street. For when you were the servant of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you in those things? But look at verse number 23. Stay in the prison. Don't believe in Jesus Christ. Stay away from the light. Verse number 23, stay in your sin. Verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death. And I talk about this when I preach. There's another half to that verse. But until you understand where you're going, until you understand the condemnation, until you understand that by by staying away from the light, you're, you're condemned already. Until you understand that, until you know that, there's no sense telling you about the next part because if you say, well, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm going to get into heaven. I, my good works are outweigh my bad and, and I've got it sewn up. I am going to make it because I'm a pretty good person. I'm not a bad person. You know, they tell me that one of the, one of the gangsters from the 20s that was on the FBI's most wanted list, he said... I'm not a bad guy. I forget how many cops he killed. He said, I'm not a bad guy. I never hurt nobody. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's understanding that you can't get there on your own. And that takes us to the last part. 
from rags to righteousness. Verse number 8 of Acts chapter number 12, it says, And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. You know, and the mind just goes back to Isaiah. And he says, But we are all as an unclean thing over in Isaiah 64, 6. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And all we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. What an interesting thought. When you see that picture of righteousness and rags, and when you see that picture of someone clothing themselves in their own righteousness, and their own good works, and their own their own basically good person or their own, I've done good, I've, I've contributed to this, I've helped this person, I've helped that person. He that believes not is condemned already. I'm just going to throw that out there. He says all of our righteousness is, is filthy rags. You know, in the Bible, when someone comes before God, when they're faced with the angel of the Lord, you know, the first thing they say is, well, I'm doing pretty good. no. The first thing they do is they fall on their knees and they bow their head and they become aware of their own sin because the light uncovers that sin within you. It's Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that reveals that sin within you. Isaiah said, I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips. Realizing how you stand before God, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, in Romans 3.23. In Isaiah 61.10, he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. He clothed me with the garments of salvation. All I'm doing is painting a picture. You say, well, you're just grabbing a verse from here and grabbing a verse from there. Okay, (coughs) I am. The doctrine that I am teaching you, Because I'm not trying to make up a doctrine here and you can go here, you can go there, you can make up a doctrine and you can make it say whatever you want. But what I'm telling you is founded on one thing. You want to go to heaven, trust Jesus Christ. You want to go to hell, just keep doing what you're doing. That's the only doctrine that I'm trying to show you right now, but I'm painting you a picture of that sinner in prison with a guard on each side in the bondage of sin, the chains of sin, that light shining down on him, even being struck on the side and understanding where he is, waking up. Peter, I don't know what he was dreaming. Maybe he was off in the field somewhere walking. He had peace with God. You know, he's about to die and Peter is just sleeping. He knew he was going to see his Savior soon. He opens his eyes, and I was like, oh, I'm still here. 
Man, this place is a mess. This didn't look so bad when I shut my eyes. Man, this place is nasty. And the angel says, arise, Peter. Put on your shoes. Wrap your garment around you. There's a robe of righteousness that Jesus Christ gives us. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. That garment that Jesus gives us is his righteousness that we get to wear. When we stand before God, and I love the way it was pictured, right here, right here I saw a preacher. Right here, this is my sin. Now this is clear. We got to pretend you can't see through it. Right here is my sin. Right here, no. Right here is Jesus Christ. Here's me and my filthy rags. Here's Jesus Christ. His robe of righteousness. You stand before God. I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. How can we stand before a holy God who can't be around sin? Amen? Because we have the robes of righteousness that Jesus gives us. We go from rags to robes. He says, put on your shoes and follow me. There's one last thing for that sinner. Seeing the light rising up and being freed from that sin. Let me tell you, there's one last thing for them. There's one thing for you as a Christian. Because we still have to live in this world. We still have to walk every day in this world. He says, put on your sandals. Put on your shoes and follow me. You might be freed from sin. You might be freed from the bondage of the law. You might be freed from the fear of death. You might have eternal life because you've accepted Jesus Christ. When the light came to you, you accepted that light. But Christian, you need to put on your shoes and follow Jesus. You need to walk with the Lord. It's not just, I'm saved. It's all good. I can go about my life. I can do what I want. You need to follow the Lord. Because then it's then when you follow the Lord that you truly walk out of that prison and leave those chains behind. That's the picture that I wanted to paint for you today. Let me give you one last one from the Bible. Over in Revelation chapter number 7. John says, and after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb. And that lamb is Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of the God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And verse number 11, and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be under our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders said, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? 
And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The Bible says, He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Or are you still sitting in that prison? And Christian, have you put on your shoes? And are you following Christ? Have you made it all the way out of that prison yet? If you'll stand. <laughs>